Happy Friday and welcome back to another episode of the Bowfinger Minute podcast. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts Ethan and Jim, or this week at least, examine the 1999 Frank Oz-directed comedy Bowfinger. One minute of screen time per episode. And we're on episode 30 today and uh, my lovely Chewbacca co-host, co-pilot Jim, will detail the intro and the outro of this scene and then we're going to get deep into this, some movie trivia and who knows what, the, where the path will lead in this three-ring circus running of the show. Boom! <laughs> wow, thank, thank you, Ethan. Let's, let's uh, wrap up this week with Minute 30, uh, where Carol, it, it's, we start the minute by Carol looking at Bowfinger and saying, what is it <laughs> to Bowfinger? And then ends with, the briefcase is a metaphor. <laughs> now, uh, uh, the... Am I right in thinking? I mentioned this or alluded to it two episodes back, I think. Uh, is this mansion we're coming up upon now? Uh, is that the Batman 66 mansion? It, it well, the, or the gates 66, thereof. It's, I don't believe it's the gates thereof. I think the gates no. are a different place. Um, but right. uh, because we don't see the, but the mansion is the mansion, right? The mansion is the Batman 66 mansion. It's been used okay. in a bunch of uh, different it's, it's available and people can, uh, can rent it. So uh, it definitely used it, it, it. Mostly it's empty for the time, but they do get a lot of uh, play using the inside of the house and the outside of exteriors yeah. for a lot of movie shoots. So it's, and, it's, it rented out as an event or a movie shoot space then, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's amazing. It's an entire, almost like a VBRO kind of industry out there of uh, you can rent uh, places. My, uh, my sister-in-law has a house in Massachusetts where she mm. has a rather uh, expansive um kitchen that's all remodeled yeah. and stuff like that and uh, she rented it out for a dunkin donuts commercial so she gets <laughs> to uh have people sitting around eating coffee and donuts in her uh, in her kitchen and then it shows up every uh every other hour on uh, boston television but uh yeah there's now just out of interest how does one get your house an agent for that kind of thing here's a bowfinger <laughs> There are Some tips for any potential bow fingers out there. There are actually come there. There are location scouts that go over and knock on doors, and I think that's how she uh -huh. wound up. She was in a neighborhood, and somebody knocked on her door and said, "Would you mind if we shot in front of your house?" Or and then they noticed, you know, well, what about your kitchen? What about that kind of stuff? But you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there are there are agencies that you can sign up a property that you have, and I, I, there are there are people that um, I've met a couple of people at car shows who have 1950s cars that uh mm. that people rent from them for different movies and they'll they'll throw yeah. them on a truck and drive you know three or they, they they actually provide like three or four 50s trucks if you're doing a, a period scene and you need you know a, a 
a, an old prefect or something like that in the background. There it is. You know, it's, you're in the fifties. So um, it's, you know, it's an amazing, it's amazing how many subcultures there are of things, you know, chances are you have a, an ability to, to hire something. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, I think I mentioned a few episodes about that guy had a car collection. Now I remember rightly, it was for a corporate video, but they needed some kind of uh, 60s style Jaguar. And this guy had, like I said, the Back to the Future car, the, the Ghostbusters thing. He had like regular cars, Morris Miners, British ones of the 70s. So it sounds like the same thing, but over here. And he would hire stuff out, drive it down in a van to wherever the location was. And then you put the lead actor in to drive five feet down the road very carefully so he didn't damage the car. And uh, yeah, so same thing by the sound of it, for sure. Yeah, there there is a town uh, just south of me called Waxahachie, Waxahachie, Texas, and it has an old, like a a Texas town square that could easily, you know, Bonnie and Clyde used to rob banks in Waxahachie, and uh, <laughs> the place really hasn't changed that much. And not maybe two or three times a year, they shoot a movie or uh, or some kind of a TV show there. And if you happen to be driving down the highway on the road to Waxahachie, you'll see a a truckload of Model Ts going by. Uh, because they're, you know, they're shooting something down there that day. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's uh, an interesting, yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you can find a way to make money out of your hobby, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good thing to do. My, uh, my son works, uh, he does uh, displays for different uh, sporting goods companies. And they have, uh, they have different events where you go to like, you know, a show in Las Vegas or Miami or something like that. And they'll have some outsized prop to uh, get people's attention and uh, he had to go track down a uh, uh, an engine and an engine cowling from a 747. Didn't have to work, <laughs> just had to had to be there. So he was yeah. having a he he found like a junkyard, uh, an airplane junkyard in New Jersey, and had the thing loaded on a on a trailer and dragged over to New York City to uh, yeah, and just trying to figure out how do you get it over. You know what bridge you can haul it over uh, to manhattan About the to, bridge collapsing yeah 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 or you know <laughs> the old, tearing uh, up the tarmac all the the right of ways and the uh, you know the, the clearances and stuff like that but uh yeah it's amazing that you can pretty much rent anything anywhere <laughs> as long as you've got you know a good size wallet well, i um, think james cameron kind of sent all his prop physical prop effects men out to various uh you know plain elephant graveyards and i think the drop ship was made out of some kind of vulcan or camera bomber i think so it looks kind of authentic, but kind of retro futuristic and stuff. So yeah, real way yeah. hard, re real world hardware, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kingman and uh, Pima, Arizona, have some large uh, airplane graveyards there, and uh, it's I'm sure seen those in like rock videos as well. I think the "Take My Breath Away" Top Gun song. There's like a, a like this field of fuselages and things and stuff. Yeah, it's so it's a bunch of yeah. It's it's astonishing how many how many are out there and just you know. All you need to do is just get out there with a a good dust mop, and you can take the take the layer of sand off of it, and it's a perfectly yeah. lo good looking aircraft. Um, I don't imagine the well, no rain as well, so there's less rust. I'd imagine, or is you get, right, you get yeah, different problems like from the the mesa is like a whatever that's when I went to Burning Man, basically, all these snakes in cowboy boots, and within like three hours they were just eaten away from just the the whatever the dust was on the mesa wasn't yeah. sand, but whatever it was, or if yeah, that affects it, the actual planes or the metallics. It's, I, I think it, it definitely takes the paint off. So you might wind up with, you know, an aluminum mm. frame, but, uh, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's a lot easier when there's no rain, you can just leave things out and it's yeah. not going to get rusted. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it looks like in this, uh, in the middle of this, it looks I was like say, what the, studio uh, is this? <laughs> I'm thinking that that definitely looks like a universal, the, uh, 
Right. Uh, off of Lancashire when you're, <coughs> excuse me, coming in off the, uh, I guess that's the north side. The north, the north side yeah. of uh, Universal, I think, looks like that. Of course, this right. is 30 years ago, so it's nowadays everything in the background would be uh, a bunch of high rises, and I think <laughs> there's a big Sheraton on the other side of the, like where that where that uh, that big uh, hangar that stu that studio is over the uh, over the other side of that. I think that's where the Sheraton uh, is located, and you'd probably see a bunch of ro roller coasters from. Uh, from Universal that just keeps every time I go there, it just gets built up more and more and more. Um, I'm only thinking of Jim Henson Studios. I've seen that in a few films. I think it's in Fright Night and a couple of others. I'm not, where was that now? It was on not Hollywood and Vine. It was uh, Les Seniega, maybe, I think. Okay. But yeah, yeah, Jim Henson Studios. So that was the old Max Senate Studios, I think, back in the day. And then uh, I think it was bought by Jim Oh, yeah, Henson. yeah. It's yes, very, it's it's very low, yeah. low sung, flung thing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, my my favorite remains Paramount. I love Paramount over on Gower, and uh, it's yeah. next it's next to Hollywood High School, and uh, the uh, it's just you know real old town nineteen nineteen twenties nineteen thirties Hollywood there. Um, I, just well, a, I remember the, the gate's very nice, isn't it? It's got a white uh, arches and things, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's got the big logo on on, on there. The that's big it. the the, the yeah, the that's it. I'm looking at the gates now. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, very yeah. pretty. It's, uh, that feels like old Hollywood with the palm trees in and the little guard box and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I think that little corner. <laughs> that little corner of it was uh, RKO Studios was was one corner of uh, of Paramount. Right. That's the oldest the oldest segment of it that still has like globe sticking out on the on the side of it. And wow. uh, you know, it's where, like That's King cool. Kong was filmed there and the Outlaw <laughs> with uh, Rosalind Russell or, um, or Jane Russell. And um, yeah, it's it's just a it's just a beautiful one. Universal has some of the more famous sites. I mean, it's got like Courthouse Square from uh, uh, Back to the Future and stuff. And it's probably yes. more familiar to people because you've seen it in a lot of TV shows. But uh, Paramount... As an aesthetic, the Paramount buildings. Are, yeah. Right yeah. Right. Yeah. Paramount, yeah. really, you feel like that's the... You know, it, it is in yeah. Hollywood, so it adds more of the Hollywood feel. Yeah, it so, does. But, <laughs> um, and it's funny how they have like... Uh, Dave here as he drive he drives in and just gets waved in through the gate. Um, <laughs> the way he's picking stuff up, the equipment that he's picking up is very old. I mean that the, the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. the old wooden tripod and I <laughs> I'm not sure, but I think he's picking up like an either an uh, an, uh, an eclair or an Ari Ariflex camera. They're not. Yeah, I, with I mean, a big it's, magazine on the top. Yeah. 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 It's uh, a. Yeah. If you're going to be like the movie that they're in right now would not be shot on any of that. That would be shot on a big Panaflex camera, which is yeah. you're not going to you're not going to put it under your arm. Let me put it that way. It's, it's going to you're going to break it down and you're going to you know carry it out in pieces. But this looks more yeah. like something that they filmed at a film school or at a, you know, <laughs> at a, a, a like a motion picture rental house. That's what that's what this looks like. Um, I might I think I told you that many moons back in a podcast i was an extra on a film called owls lads but i think it's called capone's boys directed by a guy called richard Standeven, and they had a giant camera the biggest movie camera you can imagine the cliche in your minds listeners and it was on a tripod and then all of a sudden you had this massive crash because they were filming this boxing scene so it was in this deserted score hall done up 1930s got all the rosettas looked like some kind of uh, you know 1930s boxing match all these everyone's in full dress it was this almighty crash and everyone looked over and this giant camera had gone over on its side and smashed and they stopped filming the day. Everyone went home. So I think that was probably the end of this hundreds of thousand dollar uh, camera. Yeah. Capone's boys listeners. Give it, uh, give it a Google. 
uh, it might even be free on YouTube at this point, but yeah, in the boxing scene, they destroyed the camera or knocked it over to a point where they stopped filming for the day. And I was back the next day. I can't remember if it was a different camera. I wouldn't have known at that time anyway, but yeah, they knocked over this gigantic rig camera. It had the magazines on top, I think. It was like properly giant. Who knows what it was, but it was big enough for you to go, oh, that's someone's house. Uh, <laughs> that's someone's I, mortgage. <laughs> I have I, I have a I have a story and I'm I'm not gonna name names or the movie, but uh, a friend of mine was a friend of mine was directing a movie and he had gotten it was a horror movie and he had hired or he had managed to get stars from previous famous horror movies, you know, kind of like yeah, Night yeah. of the Living Dead, that level of famous <laughs> horror movies. Yeah. And um, one of the guys who was a minor character in the horror movie or in the previous horror movie, but now is like the star of this horror movie. Um, they were starting the, they were starting the movie with a, uh, uh, like a fight, like a riot. And yeah. uh, this guy, since he'd been in a movie before, uh, he had a great idea and he told the, uh, he told the uh, cameraman, uh, the, the cinematographer, who had worked on uh, a bunch of the Benji movies. So you know, uh, yeah, ben, the little dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he said, uh, "I've got a great idea. What, you know, since we're having a a fight, why don't we uh, have something where some guy takes a, a a paint can and throws a can of paint right at the right at the camera?" And they were renting <laughs> uh, Panavision cameras. And he's like, mm -hmm. no, no, we're not, we're not doing that. He goes, no, no, this is a great idea. You tell the director, I think that's the best, that's the best thing to do. And so the guys, yeah. you know, it's like, no, you, you know, you have no, you don't know what you're talking about. Get out of here. And he's like, get out of here. He goes, you don't, don't you know who I am? And he said, you can't. And so uh, the cinematographer said, I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing that and for, forget it. And so they got into this yeah, big yeah. argument to the point where the cinematographer and his staff, his camera staff, quit. So, Whoa. and now oh, they're yeah, in... to take down, yeah, but to cut off the head and you lose the rest. The yeah, team yeah. As well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Blow so they, and of course, like this is the first night of production. They're shooting the, this is their first night, the first shot, like, like we're in this minute, the first minute. So the producer and the director were like, we're renting this camera at something like $6,000 a day. And the yeah. the would the would be star of the movie just chased away the uh, <laughs> the cinematographer, so they had it. They wound up hiring like an intern cinematographer to do the rest of the movie, and they had to fly him oh into where gosh. they were shooting, and so that just added more to the cost. And now it was like a no name cinematographer. So all these great shots yeah. they had set up, this guy didn't know how to do them. He didn't know, no. you know, like, like what the lighting temperatures were and all that. So it was like yeah. just one guy saying, "Do you know who I am?" To the the guy who's really in charge of film. I mean, you have a Couldn't you have a director. Just it out and got the got the cinematographer back and has some Ima imagine how yeah no imagine how uh, <laughs> how bad oh, it was God. that you chased off the cinematographer, you know. And it was like this was a, a get to have somebody on. This was my friend's first directorial debut. Oh, and yeah, he, yeah, lost, yeah. he lost his cinematographer. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, these things uh, happen. How but, far back in the mists of time is this? Is he still be, going strong, this guy, and working? And you No, know, wound up out of I, – I have other stories to tell, but it'll, it'll start getting too familiar. Did the film come out okay in the end? Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's, oh, it's, okay. Let me put it this way. It's a cult it classic. It got through it. It's a cult okay. classic, yeah. And it's, it's, there okay. were only a few lawsuits about it, but it was uh, <laughs> anyway. That yeah, you know, these that's showbiz, um, but that's and that's how. Oh gosh, I I know so many people who have had like first day of shooting disasters, where the first day that they're supposed to get everything underway and they have this very tightly 
scripted schedule of what happens this yep. day and what we got, you know, how many pages we got to get through. And then yep. something like that happens that kills the whole day. Yep. And that's, I mean, they're like diamonds having a day. It's just, you, you have to get it done that day because everybody's yep. together. Everybody's here. The weather's right. And we've got the film yep. and the clock's ticking. So yeah. um, if, I if, think if, also, I think, uh, Sorry, carry on. No, go ahead. No, no. I, 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 if something's going to go wrong, it's probably going to go wrong on the first day. So exactly. Uh, I was going to yeah. say the first day of many shoots I've been on commercials, films, or TV, they will spend half the morning getting this one shot that you don't. In the grand scheme of things, don't really need. I guess they're trying to find their feet, and then you've got big dialogue scenes later in the day, and they go, "Oh, we need to get this perfect." And I think they get so focused in this minutia of a scene or a shot, and then go, "Oh no." We've got five hours left before we have to go into overtime. Then they kind of the, cram everything in that was complex that needed that time. Yeah, yeah. Later in the day, so I was going right. What's the hardest thing? Let's do this and get it perfect. Then we'll do the pickup then. And if I've had that a million times, and they like lord over the first shot, it's going to be perfect. I guess to ease themselves in creatively, or there's like a bureaucracy of creatives trying to get their stink on it. Like I said, and then they go yeah. oh, the time, and then they just rush through. That happens more often than, than I care to mention. It's it's crazy. Yeah, no. I've, so that's I've, the flip side of that, but still the delay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been on a couple of sets where they get they get there the first day, and they realize that whatever they're working on is not going to work, and then they have they're they're, they're they like have a powwow <laughs> with a writer, and it's like, well, what yep. if we do this, or what if instead of that, what if we make the whole thing about yep. us? It make make it a spy yep. movie now, you know that kind of thing. It's like. Yep. Yep. No, 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 no. You're too, you know, and, and it's yep. like, they've already spent too much money to stoop to uh, yep. analysis. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, the rewrites of, oh, I, I've had that as well. That's why I'm like, I'm not sweating this Bollywood film now. Cause it's just like, we know they've got a crazy way of working. That girl said in that video interview, like I've been doing Bollywood films 10 years. They give the scripts on the day or the day that happens in like UK and American stuff as well. Like you said, they'll rewrite. So we go here. I mean, John Reese Davis, when he was doing uh, Lord of the Rings, he said, at least every other night that he would hear a rustle. You're in the show, hear this like rustling noise, and someone would shove a brown envelope on the door with uh, new script pays in. And you just throw them in the waste paper, you go, I'll steal it tomorrow. Because they <laughs> change their mind so many times. You want to go, just tell me, we'll work it, work it through. But yeah, that again, too many cooks, headless chickens, the, the chaos of life and movie making anyway, like you said, these schedules and getting the perfect shot. And then, like you said, getting a new writer in to change the plan. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I had a, I had a, I had a friend that uh, worked at the Warner brothers studios. Was, they, were, they were on set at Warner and they would write like every time they had a script change, they changed the color of the page. So they went from like the first pages were red because you couldn't, um, you can't copy Xerox red. Them. Yeah, you yeah. can't Xerox red. So then they went to like when that page didn't work, they had purple and then they had brown. And it's like, and they got increasingly harder and harder to read. To read, yeah. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> and he's, he said on one, he, he said on one uh, show that they were working on, and I can't remember the name of the show. It was like a, it was a, it was a, a, a WB show. Um, but uh, he said, he said they, the joke was they were going to get to the black pages pretty soon because they just <laughs> they just kept coming. No, how about this? How about that? And they just keep you know like revision R, revision yep. S. So uh, and, and we're we're seeing so that it in doesn't this leak basically. Yeah, yeah, but it just yeah. it just it just gets worse and worse as as time progresses. And we even see <laughs> right here at the last minute before they're about to shoot, 
the screenwriter Afram comes up and says, uh, change it to, you know, just let's change one word. It's a tough world instead of it's a rough world. Yeah. And suddenly that's a, that's the biggest thing. Oh yes, that's the right word for, you know, and, but you know, or, after or they forgot, they wrote the scene next to it that comes after that relates to, so you've changed the word, then it messes up the dialogue or the block of text on the yeah. next or the page after that. And yeah, it's also that. And then it just starts this avalanche of like uh, cockups. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just, repairs. yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're stuck. You're stuck uh, with not not everybody remembering the continuity ahead of it. Um, this is but true. It's uh, yeah. It, this is this is definitely. I mean, I from what I've seen in productions, this is very much first day of shooting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do. And well, we, again, to, to bring it back to Bowfinger around this podcast, that's what my again weirdly my first episode this week doing that was just like wobbly trying to find my feet strangely i think because i didn't have a soft drink i had a coke and cola the last two episodes before i started so the, the sugar was powering me but uh that feels very much like the bowfinger spirit maybe that's a good thing i don't know but yeah, yeah we're, i think we got to uh, i got better my momentum got up we're seeing uh we're seeing daisy here now there's a progression in this movie if you watch along uh daisy gets more colorful and more um worldly i guess is the way to describe it now she's in her costume for <laughs> she's in her co her chubby rain costume so but we went for, we went from that this uh, is the lemon thing with the kind of the fur around the neck is that yeah yeah, yeah she's she's wearing that with the fur around yes, the neck and the and yeah. the tight capri pants that are hot pink and so she realizes her feminine walls and uh you know hypergamous uh possibilities by you know dressing or acting a certain way right That's, yeah uh, yeah so so we're, we're slowly <laughs> seeing the conversion of daisy as she becomes less unsure of herself and more in charge yes. um Car <laughs> and carol wearing her don't notice me uh outfit which in hollywood if you see somebody with sunglasses and a big hat they're probably a star but the other the other side of it is if you see somebody in hollywood with sunglasses and a big hat you see somebody who thinks they're a star i've, I've learned that yes. a lot where people are i hope i don't get recognized it's like don't worry you won't uh, it's, <laughs> unless you're jim o'kane and they think you're james cameron and they think you're james cameron yeah yeah <laughs> uh i do so i do like to say by the way i found some trivia jim uh the eddie murphy part was originally written for keanu reeves right yeah i didn't know that that could yeah. be wrong it's an imdb trivia but uh I'm not sure what star he was coming off because the Matrix was 1999. He would have been not competing for box office. Maybe they were, but uh, that was his 1999 film. Prior to that, what was Keanu Reeves' oh, big Bill, part? Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted was 10 years prior there, wasn't it? Even the second yeah. one is 1991. This is 99, so this is 10 years after that. Yeah, but I think, I think he's he, Speed. Yeah, he said Johnny Speed. Johnny that wasn't a hit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the one with the, uh, is it Devil's Advocate? Was it the... Yeah. Oh, of course. No, it, I don't. Well, I, I think Happy Accident. Eddie Murphy is much more in line with, with this pack of actors, I think, and this yeah. lineage than Keanu Reeves would be. Absolutely. Yeah. So a good. Yeah, but and we don't love you, Keanu. We love and you. And so Eddie Murphy was a much better fit. And he's coming. Multiple he's, characters too, by the way. Yeah, and he's coming off of like Beverly Hills Cop and stuff like that. So I think they yeah. they Beverly Hills copped his his movie here a lot more. <laughs> um unlike the gold the well, this sand. is kind of his renaissance in a sense when he started i think coming to america started that 1987 his love of playing multiple characters and then we kind of had this and then night professor i think do you know what he was he made in the in the midst of doing this i've I heard on a, on a thing he was filming life one side and naughty professor two on the other and he had a six-week window which to shoot both fingers so this is done 
in a condensed the, the Eddie Murphy bits at least. Yeah, like it's kind of a Michael period. J. Fox situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Family Ties to... and Back to the Future. Yeah, so um, yeah, and this is before his whole big. Uh, well, when he made the mistake by not doing Star Trek Four, so um, no, that was who's this one? J. Fox or Eddie uh, Murphy? No, Eddie Murphy. No, Star Trek Eddie... Four was nineteen eighty-six. He was going to yeah. be in that. Oh, oh you, we yeah. found another thing I've learned Wait, from Jim. Did we not? Do we not talk about this? He no, no. Oh, I thought I, I, I never I know where my, yeah, no. my conversation with this. Eddie Murphy was going to be yeah. a character in Star Trek Four because of Beverly Hills Cop, but then right. Harv Bennett decided not to have him in there, or he and but he had the option to play in the Golden Child, and I forget yeah. who, who he replaced that. in. The, he was, it was originally going to be a straight drama in The Golden Child, but then they added in a bunch of Eddie Murphy-isms in The Golden Child to make it a, more of a vehicle for him, but it came vehicle out as a mismatch. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was a horrible, horrible uh, mix that, you know, basically yeah. he could he could have been part of the Star Trek universe forever, but... Uh, I wonder who. Was he playing the scientist that they changed to a woman to have a kind of pseudo-romance? Yeah, yeah, it was going to... It was going to be something like, yeah, it was something like he was going to be like the Richard Pryor part in uh, Star Trek, uh, yeah, Superman 3. Yeah, I was say that's the, that was, literally took the words out of my mouth. So Richard Pryor was the closest thing. Yeah, so he was yeah. going to be a, a little bit more wisecracking and not more of a love interest for Kirk. Yeah. And um, I think it, he'd jump out of the screen at you too much. They wouldn't, he's too big a star and an image to be in Star Trek, right? I don't know. Definitely. Oh, yeah, David Warner, Again. though. And, you know, it just depends on. Well, uh, he played two characters, didn't he? He was in five. Yeah. And, What's the other one? And six, wasn't he? He was in six. The Gorkon in six. And then the weird guy at the Mad Max outpost when Ahura's doing that weird feather dance. Right, yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Crazy movie. Uh, but yeah, it was... Um, you oh, know what? Spit on Bowfigure to tie it back again. William Shatner's experience on Star Trek Five. if you watch it and hear about it or listen to the commentary or the making of, it's very Bowfinger. They took most of his budget away. He had less than a TV budget and less than a TV shooting schedule. Uh, ILM was busy, I think, doing Willow and something else, so they couldn't really give him their full time to do the spaceship shots. Trying to say that five times fast. Wow. So yeah, Kirk, Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner got bow fingered on uh, Star Trek Five. I love that film. It's got one of the best scenes in all of Star Trek anything when they're at that kind of vision of uh, Bones' father's death and things. But uh, apart from that, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a model, some of the film, but that's not William Shatner's fault. He kind of just got uh, stuck in a, a there, crossfire of a misadventure. There were so many crossover things that happened. Um, John Carpenter was originally supposed to do The Golden Child. Yes. But then it didn't, it didn't happen. And uh, so it, you know, and it was. Well, 86 is big trouble in little China, isn't it? So. Yeah. yeah so that, he went with that instead. And yeah. the, the original star of The Golden Child was going to be Mel Gibson. But Gibson turned down the role. <laughs> Eddie Murphy yeah. replaced him, and then it was written as a kind of a comedy, sort of pseudo comedy. Yeah. And they even had um, John Williams was hired to do the score for uh, the Golden Child, and they had this big score it was for it. Columbia took over, didn't he? Then it was they, John Barry, I think. John Barry, yeah. So they 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 that was dumped... rejected, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like you can get holy... Barry's rejected score because I've got that, and I think there's the Michael Columbia that took over and finished because he's dissed two on the uh, soundtrack. Yeah. But sorry, yeah, I cut just, you off. No, no, no. It's just, it's just amazing how much, you know, like all this turmoil going on. And I guess, you know, Eddie Murphy was probably, Eddie Murphy wanted to work with Steve Martin and he wanted to work with Frank Oz. And that's why, that's why he picked this movie. 
but I think he saw a lot of the disasters that had happened just by watching how the golden child was, uh, was, was put together. (laughs) It's just, it's just horrible Hollywood. A lot of uh, people have said, I've I've been doing some research on this film. A lot of people said this is the last great Eddie Murphy or Steve Martin film. Not sure if I agree with that, but in a sense, they go like after this was Nutty Professor 2 life, the, the highlight of those three films, including this, that was shot in the middle quickly, uh, both things still stands the test of time in, term, in terms of being funny and strangely current, or can, it still kind of has legs, even. Yeah, you, know, you can you still feel it. Four years later. I mean, I, after I've that, f- with Eddie, you get Pluto National, these other films, Meet Dave, all these kind of family films. I think Eddie went down into the family film route and never kind of, hopefully, he'll come back. I think there's something coming out this year, isn't there, or next year with him in that's going to put him back on the blockbuster map. Yeah. Not Beverly Hills Cop for something else. But to have a, a return of Eddie Murphy, you could still be the movie star that he always was, I think, and not do family. I, I would welcome that completely, but it's been 20 years. Well, I thought, I mean... Unless I'm wrong. I would say, for Steve Martin, I would say uh, doing Shop Girl, that was um, that was probably his next... Art, he, art House. He, he wrote it, and, uh, yeah. you know... So, um, but, uh, you know, like... I didn't. I, I saw. I didn't see the second one, but I saw the original remake of the Pink Panther, which was just horrific. Yeah. And I think what sh- I mean with Steve, uh, a return for Steve to zany comedy, and a return to Eddie Murphy doing those kind of like films that were his strength from the like early to mid to late eighties period. I still think he has it in him. I think he did that speech at the Golden Globes talking about Will Smith and stuff. So he still got it. He did a piece on Bill Cosby. So I still think. Uh, He's still Eddie Murphy. He's Eddie Murphy, for God's sake. But he, for Steve Martin to do like, uh, have Steve Martin back doing something zany and silly and not a family, like a family drama comedy. Like yeah, Bob well, he was always playing like well, all those all those Father of the Bride movies and things like that and Cheaper yeah. by the Dozen. Is doing remakes of, of stuff like that. It just <laughs> didn't, it, it's, it's a shame. Did he get cause... divorced? Was there a divorce in there somewhere? I don't know. Because usually when I... an actor does, gets trapped um... in a genre or just does it for the money, they're usually trying to pay someone off or pay something off i'm not sure but like there was some i I keep thinking about how many like remakes he did he did the out of towners that was you know i mean that's from the 60s bill co that's another one yeah oh uh, yeah that's that's right phil silvers yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) it's just um well he's in that um only murders in the building thing now on um yes is that hulu or the disney plus yeah disney plus well i think if it's more adult yeah maybe it's hulu i don't know yeah I'm, i'm not sure but yeah i mean he's he's Still, he's still got a hand in. It's just I'm not sure how much of it is him. If uh, yeah, you know, it, it's. Uh, I, I mean, I I did enjoy. I, I read the book Shop Girl, and then when I saw the the movie version of it, he did a, a pretty good translation onto the screen. Um, so it was but, a yeah. play or a book originally. It was Shop a book Girl. a book originally. Okay. And then uh, that's with uh, oh gosh, what's her name? The Australian uh, is Isla Isla Fisher. Isla Fisher. Yeah, I, yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that's uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's wife, right? Or am I wrong? Redhead mm, lady? No, could be. Yes, no, probably. No. I'll type into the thing. Is she married to Russell it, Brand? It's you. either. It, uh, I... Yes, Isla Fisher. Hang on, let's okay. for him. You keep talking while I type. Okay, so yeah, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it is yes, Isla Fisher, Sasha Baron Cohen's wife. Okay, there we go. Yes, so yeah, she on was... Home and Away or Neighbors, I think the Australian soap, and then she put a foot in the British tv industry and now she's out there yeah 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 girl. yeah there, no there just a great great little film if you haven't seen it i would recommend it um but worth worth seeing uh, i do like uh 
gosh, the way the way the the uh, staging for this one scene toward the end of this minute, where um, Jamie Kennedy is setting up the camera, and then he kind of moves it out of the way to let the camera in as they go down the hill toward the toward the street. And there's so many characters moving in and out of the frame, you know, basically walking around the real production crew as uh, as as they get stuff. Um, well, with all the prop the prop work, handing the the briefcase off, and everybody being in the right spot at the right time. I mean, there must be lots of masking tape on the on the sidewalk. I would think just to <laughs> make sure everybody's in the right place. Hit those marks, boy. Yeah, <laughs> get it right. And then I was just thinking, you know. Oh, sorry, Karen. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm also getting the, you know, Frank getting the lights. Yes. Frank Oz directed, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, Frank Oz did all the, uh, did Dirty Run Scoundrels. Ian McDermott's in that. This same year, 1999, fast forward, you've got uh, ah, yeah. Ian McDermott, yeah. Frank Oz. They're all in Star Wars episode one, aren't they? Yeah. 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 So, uh, <laughs> so that's your three way link. Doing some transcontinental or trans, uh, trans global stuff. Uh, <laughs> jumping across and getting, getting all this stuff done in the UK and here, but, uh, wow. It's, it's, um, it's impressive. I mean, the amount of, uh, quarterbacking that they have, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's the AD is, is chasing people all over the place trying to, you know, okay, now your turn, you go in, you go in, you go in, but this is almost like this very involved huddle for, for a 10, 15 second scene that nobody in the audience is going to notice the careful choreography of it all of getting, no. getting everybody in the right spot, looking in the right direction and being lit correctly without um, blocking all the, I mean, everybody's nicely lit and shadowed. So uh, yeah, it's, it's just an amazing little, I mean, the, the great thing about this bit of cinema is that you don't notice how complicated it is. No. Uh, um, well, I think that's why it stood the test of time, and it's still funny. And like I said, it's what's twenty three years old now. Yeah, and still a highlight, certainly in Steve Martin's career and Eddie Murphy's, and I guess everyone involved. It's a, a good all rounder. It's Frank Oz. He always makes a good film. He always makes a good movie. Still playing Yoda, by the way, in some of the Star Wars cartoons that are on. I think this very year, looking at his IMDb or something. Yeah, yeah, still doing no, that. Uh... But not doing the puppeteering since CGI Yoda. I would imagine that I would imagine at at his age, the bursitis is setting in. So holding your hand over your shoulder is probably, (laughs) I I can barely do that myself. So, uh, (laughs) but uh, did he he perform Miss Piggy? Well, all of them really, but Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy. And did he do Kermit? Was that Frank? uh, That was Jim Henson, wasn't it? Jim Henson. Yeah. 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 So he's Fozzie, Miss Piggy. And who's the other one? Or the main, like Um, Grover, maybe he did Grover. Grover. Yeah. They're all yeah. Yoda variations, aren't they, really? Yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's yeah, it's um it, it it's amazing the longevity. I mean, everybody that's in this movie, most of them still have careers and have gone on to greater careers. I mean, Heather yeah, yeah, Graham's yeah. still making movies, Christine Baranski is in everything now. And uh you know, Steve Martin's still in the business at seventy seven. So uh, I think Frank Oz was involved in the Dark Crystal TV netflix thing from a couple of years back as well right I think. yeah the, the, re, the revamp yeah, he's, the... Uh, I'd, I'd imagine as an advisor of some description i can't imagine playing a skexis with like you said the uh his arm up in the air up someone's you know yeah it... <laughs> the foam bus hole <laughs> of a muppet he's moved up yeah that's this episode title <laughs> he's, he's he's moved yeah he's moved up in his career <laughs> behind the scenes and above <laughs> above the neck um the yeah, it's it's just an, it, this film. I mean, I know we're finishing up the week here, but this film is such a 
you, like you said, it's an evergreen. You can you can put it in and uh, yeah. people still get it. It's not dated that much. I mean, nobody it, they they have cell phones here. Like it's I mean, they they do play off the cell phone thing. Like it's oh, that's a big deal that you have a cell phone. Um, but it's uh, it's still I think it holds true on a lot of on a lot of stuff with show business, as as well, you I yourself mean, are experiencing. The, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, again, that's the human story that I guess that's why, you know, Shakespeare's too relevant because, yeah, things have changed. We've got mobile phones now and we don't burn each other at the stake. But in the middle of that miasma across time, people are always pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> their yeah, egos, yeah. their stupidity, their poor judgment calls. And that goes from whether you're sweeping the streets or, I guess, making big, big Hollywood films or making films about making terrible Hollywood films like Bowfinger is. <laughs> Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean the standard the, the 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 takeaway that I always get from Bowfinger is everybody's got an angle, and the way yeah. that they try to work their angles is trying to figure out what the other guy's angle is. And it, yeah. I think you can apply that rule to every character in this movie. So and it, in life, to some degree, for to rely. Yeah, on yeah, these are ter- terrible life lessons <laughs> to be learned out of this film. Uh, wow. Well, this has been a great week, Ethan, and uh, I know it has. The last three, particularly the last one and tonight, have been wonderful. So, thank you, Jim, for allowing me to uh, steer this ship mostly away from the rocks. I think so. That no, was we, good. I, I think. But, I think we uh, had... Yeah, I've good. always learned the amazing uh, film trivia with you. So, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Wow. Well, thanks. Thanks for bringing reality to this too, because it's nice talking to somebody that's actually going through the struggle of, uh, of getting the struggle. Getting something from here to the screen. The, the, the Bollywood bowfingers. We're going yes. to find out. So I'm sure at some point, listeners, maybe during this run, uh, I'll be asked to jump on board and we'll get an update into what's happening with Ethan. Will he return alive? Assam, India, I checked. There's a, like, I think there's like 25 regions of India. And it's in the furthest point. It's out near Burma. It's on the very far eastern side of India. So who knows? I may yes, be, uh, you might be up in the Himalayas somewhere. Yes, I but, might uh, wake up in a bath full of ice with a kidney missing and call nine one one or whatever the equivalent <laughs> emergency services on the mirror in lipstick. Who knows? <laughs> we don't know. Wow. Well, you'll have to bring your microphone with with you so that we can we can get a report from on the road. <laughs> Absolutely, sir. We will. Uh, oh, but wow. uh, listeners, I've had a wonderful week. Um, Jim, I've had a wonderful week. I hope you've enjoyed listening to me and Jim, uh, you know, wax lyrical about our lives in the movie industry. Now, if uh, you want to uh, discover more about the show, uh, if you found the show, obviously, but do tell a friend because the Bowfinger Minute is on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify, Google Play, uh, and on the main site, bowfingerminute.com. And if you fancy, please do leave us a review or a thumbs up or whatever device or format you're coming through. It does help uh, get some props from you, the listeners, to uh, boost the show and grow the show. So please do that. And if you want to have a fight with anyone, obviously friendly uh, about the movie or any kind of movies, but uh, usually about uh, this film, please go to Welcome to Mindhead, the Bowfinger Minute listeners center on Facebook and on Twitter and at Bowfinger Minute. Now, Mindhead, the thing is that Scientology pastiche, isn't it, Jim? That's right. Yes. Where you, you yeah, the, uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy premises. And, and as it's a Friday episode, as it's a Friday episode, I was going to say uh, there are hundreds of other shows that you can uh, hook into. I think there's over 200 uh, movies by minute shows. So, you know, more, more every day. This one. Get rid of, sorry, my <laughs> poor wording. Once you're done with our show, maybe you like to list some of Jim's other shows, but uh, there's, like I said, 200 some odd uh, films, the most obscure things, Into the Night. You may not have even heard of that, but that's one of my, if not the favorite film of all time for me. <laughs> Strangely, I can't explain why. And I couldn't explain why when I uh, co-hosted the show on it either. But <laughs> that's on there. Who knows? 
And if you enjoyed the intro music, and if any potential podcasters out there want intro music done, there is uh, Mr. Math. Is that correct? I think that's the way Jim? it's pronounced. Yes. Uh, he did your intro and outro singer song. What can you tell me about Mr. Math, Jim? What, how he, can we uh, he is bring from, this man to the world stage? He is from France, and uh, Mr. Math is available on Fiverr with two R's. Uh, and does does a fantastic job as you'll be hearing shortly as the music comes up behind us uh mr math sing, sings that beautiful soulful rendition of our uh, outro theme so uh <laughs> listen into that shortly ah. so yes please join us on monday for the monday show i won't be here but uh, jim who is uh, let's face it 100 of the heart and soul of this show anyway i'm merely a guest in his talented shadow uh, there'll be someone else replacing me on Monday, but I may be back in the near future, if not just to give you my bowfinger experience in Bollywood uh, on some future episode. So in the meantime, thank you, listeners. I love you. Jim loves you. I love Jim. Thank you, Jim. It's an honor, of, of course, as always. And keep it together. Keep it together. And <sighs> keep it together. <laughs> Hasta la vista. Together, children, I hope that we'll see you again. Cause there's always one more Sure. One more show. Sure.